welcome to Creativity Conversations. I think this is episode 17, and I have the pleasure of talking with Kim Kaiser. Kim, welcome. Thanks for being on the call. Oh, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we'll have some fun today. So for those of you who haven't been on the call, the way this rolls is that we get to talk about the nature of creativity and how it shows up for different people. If you haven't been on the call, you may not know that the reason I even started this episodic journey was to really explore creativity and get people out of the notion that creativity only means wielding a paintbrush or singing or writing something. And with all of the calls that we've been doing, you can see that people from all different walks of life and all different professions take advantage of this capacity to create. Today, we get to talk to Kim and her business and how she sees creativity and how it shows up in her life. Even though we've already discussed the fact that bios don't really mean much, they say a little bit. So I am, with your permission, Kim, going to read Kim's. Kim is principal of Leap Business Coaching. And she's a professional business coach who helps small business owners double and triple their revenue in record time. Who wouldn't want that? By learning to love marketing and sales. Kim is also a certified advanced transformative coach. So Kim's corporate background includes creating breakthrough sales results, which is a cornerstone of her current coaching expertise. As a VP of sales, Kim led sales and sales support teams to grow a company from $14 million to $40 million in four years time. So I'm going to skip a little bit here and we'll let Kim fill that part in for us. It's probably good to know that Kim has a real life besides this one and more of her life. In her free time, Kim enjoys traveling, bird watching, cooking with her partner, Chef Steve, we may get to that, and creating <laughs> memories with her son, Brett. So welcome, Kim. Oh, thank you, Nina. I'm so happy that you reached out and happy to have this creativity conversation with you. So let's just see what happens in the conversation. Let's start with this question. How do you see creativity in mm. your work? Well, I see creativity, period, like philosophically in life as we are always creating just 100% of the time. We're either doing that consciously or we're doing it unconsciously. So that's like, that's my philosophy on life. Now, I don't know that that's true, but it seems pretty true to me. So when I think about business uh, and my, and my own business, my coaching practice, um, I really think that we're, we create it how we want. And if we don't have a, a conscious vision for how that gets created, a lot of times things happen and people create things they don't really want, but then it doesn't look like they're creating, right? If I create something, I don't know, a result that I don't want. I don't make as much money or a client's disappointed or something like that. There's like, we consciously don't think we're creating it. But the more I look at this, especially in business, I see that when we bring the unconscious conscious, we can really, we have the infinite potential to create what we want. And so it's a really, to me, it's such a big question because I used to think about creativity probably like a lot of people did. I used to think, well, I'm not creative. I can't do art. I can't, you know, even though I was a designer by background, I would think, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not that creative. And, but now I just see the creative process is always happening, you know, on a moment by moment basis. Can you give some examples of that? Mm, well, I mean, just even getting out of bed in the morning, right? Like it's, it's, we can really start to, sometimes I used to think about my day before I saw creativity in this way, I would get out of 
bed. And especially back when, when I was in my corporate career, I was in a job that it was really, it felt like a pressure cooker a lot of the times, you know, all the numbers were on me and whether people did their job seemed like it was on me. And I would start to create my day. The moment my eyes open, Oh, my day is going to be so long. There's going to be so much stress. I feel overwhelmed. That's creation. We don't, we don't often see that. I didn't see it that way at the time. At the time, I thought it was my job doing it to me. I didn't see that I had any role in that, right? But then we, you know, we create these kind of self-fulfilling prophecies. So like, to me, something as simple as that, what kind of day we're going to have, what kind of, I'm launching online, online programs right now in my coaching practice for the first time, started that in June, I've done it a couple of times. Even that I'm seeing really deeply how we have a narrative about how it's going to go and we follow that narrative. So it, it's really powerful. It's one of the most powerful forces I think we have in life is this power to create. And so, so much of what I'm doing with my clients, because I'm helping them grow their businesses, like, like you mentioned in my bio, it's helping them see that. Like you're going to create one way or the other. <laughs> you're either, either going to do it completely unconsciously and just going into, you know, the collective narrative especially now, who are we getting that? That is a slippery slope to get into, to start going down. We can do it really consciously, play it like a game. Before we started recording, we were chatting a little bit about new ventures and podcasting and videos and whatnot. Can you talk a little bit about where you see creativity and the narratives that we create as we start new ventures? Because as we were saying, podcasts are the new thing everybody wants to do because they can't see anyone in person. Same with videos and putting up YouTube channels and making themselves more visible because they're not visible in the normal channels anymore. It seems to me that creativity is a really important component in creating these new venues for ourselves. And yet it's not necessarily the right thing to do to just throw spaghetti against the wall and see what happens. Yeah, that that's such a that's such a good question because it's to me there's it's creating something new like a podcast, like a YouTube channel, like a group on YouTube on uh Facebook. Like what like there's a lot of creativity that can go into that. And in terms of like new ideas, fresh new thinking, something that hasn't been done before, something we see like wow, that's really missing in the market. That's what I saw when I started my own group. I saw like, well, there's something missing here. I wish I would have had this 10 years ago. Right. And then, and then there's also, to me, there's strategy that can be used tried and true that a lot of times I see people, they'll go into a creative venture, like the ones we're talking about, and they'll either go hundred percent creativity and ignore conventions or strategies, or they go hundred percent strategic and conventional wisdom and miss out on the creativity. And I think this is, a, there's a sweet spot in there for, um, especially like for a podcast, for instance, if we want to monetize a podcast, there really are some tried and true things to know. There's some strategies that actually do work. And then in combination with someone's creativity, like that's really where we see things just sort of expand, you know? But I think yeah. I, I just see a lot of times people go like all one way or the other and, and we miss out. We miss out on, on, uh, on one or the other, right? Like that's, again, we just tend to be black and white. Yeah, as, as humans. For sure. Talk to me a little bit about the, whether there's a conflict or a commonality with creativity and strategy, because 
I have seen the same thing, and I'm sure I've done it myself, of going to one extreme or another. And yet it seems there is still a creative component to choosing strategies and feeling into it with the gut instinct of, okay, these are possibilities, and then what? I mean, how does, yeah. the, how does our yeah. creative thinking deal with strategic processes? Oh, that, that's a really good question too. I love these questions. So the thing about like creativity and strategy in my mind, creativity, we have to really sort of tune our ear to a, a different voice than most people are listening to. That might be the way to say that, right? So now here's the thing that's a little bit tricky about that. And especially where, where strategy comes into it is sometimes people will have their ear tuned to a voice that's that they've heard for a long time. That's maybe habitual, but it seems like reality to that person. So to me, that's where like between strategy and creativity, creativity, it's, it's, it's new. It's fresh. It has a definite feeling to it. Ideas have sparkle to them a lot of times, I think. And then we can use that sort of, I guess, listening and that filter to, to pick out strategies. Now, a lot of times people, again, they get into their habitual way to look at life when they look at strategy. So they'll see something and think, well, I'm not the type of person who could do that kind of outreach, Kim. Like I get that one a lot because I, I really challenge people to do a lot of outreach to people that they could possibly impact. But again, that's where, you know, the strategy may be just golden and a person's way they think about themselves can really dampen the effect. And that's where in business, people can get a bit sideways. So there are certain things we are probably going to need to do in business if we want to monetize our, our business. If we want to hit that sweet spot between creativity and strategy, there, there are probably some things that we're going to need to do that will think, I'm not the type of person that would do that, or I'm uncomfortable with that, or I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert, or whatever, you know, all these ideas that we have about ourselves that just look normal. With a creative mind, we can look at strategy and we can, strategy will hit and we will know it's the one for us. Like, we'll know, like, yes, that's it. It'll hit a tone of truth inside. Um, or we might know, like, wow, that would never that would never work for me. Like even in my, in my group, I'll give that as a, as a, an example. I started a Facebook group back in June. I started it with the idea that I was, I was going to launch some group programs out of it. Now I had never done that in my entire life. I'd not sold a single thing online before June. I had always created all of my business from networking with enterprise business owners out in the real world. I didn't sit behind a computer screen. I went out and, and got it. But with COVID, I had to figure something else out. So I started this Facebook group and the strategy that I was taught, I got someone to teach me because my sense was, oh, there's something there for me, right? I don't know anything about this. I may not follow it hundred percent what they're telling me because I tend not to. I'll know where to, where to switch strategies or where to, you know, modify the strategy. And sure enough, one of, one of the strategies that I was taught was you're going to need 300 people in your group before you launch anything. Like that was the golden rule. Okay. Now, since then, the first launch I had, I had 60 people in my group and I monetized it. I, I monetized it into the five figures. Okay. And the second one, I still only had 150 people and I was closer to a hundred thousand than zero. Let's put it that way. Okay. So see, I knew, but that was my knowing that was my creative mind that knew no, there's something here. I don't want to wait till I have 300. I don't want to sit on these ideas that I have. So it's where I use my own creativity, my own sense and instinct along with a strategy. It's sort of like this dance, you know, is how I see it. That makes a lot of sense. I remember having a business coach who was all strategy 
pretty much. I mean, there was some component of mindset in it, but it was primarily strategy. And it was very hard to contradict the rules that were being set forth. And there wasn't a good feel to it. And I wonder if for a lot of people who are exploring different options in business, whether there is a tendency to just do what the experts say is the right thing to do. When in fact, just by your example, it isn't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's also, what, what comes to mind, Nina, when you said that, is there's an energetic component to all of this mm-hmm. that I definitely introduce to my clients because it's, if we don't understand the energetic component, business can seem really confusing. So and what do you mean by that energetic Yeah, I'll, I'll try to explain it. So um, somebody might teach us an amazing strategy and they may teach it to 10 people, let's say. And five of the people in that class energetically may be coming from like having a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear. The energy of fear is in whatever they do, right? And that strategy will do nothing typically for those people. A, they may not be able to do it at all when they're when people are really crippled by their own fears and anxieties and that sort of thing. But even if they're able to do it, if they're able to like kind of push through, but they're still coming from fear and insecurity, like it just it doesn't resonate, right? It doesn't have the resonance. And this, but the same strategy in the same class, five other people could just ha- not have that fear for whatever reason right? Um, they've either learned a lot about fear, they see something about fear that other people, or they just, they don't naturally have fear about whatever they're about to do. And that energetically is going to have a different resonance for the people who uh, end up viewing it or taking it in. And so that, that component to me is maybe often underappreciated. And it's so, so much about why the same strategy could really work well for one person and not at all for another can all there's also that piece of it that I've I've gained a lot of appreciation for over the last probably couple of years. That's a really interesting point because it addresses a question of when somebody doesn't feel right about a strategy, is it because they have some insecurity about it or whether it's really not right for them? Right. And how do you distinguish between the two? Okay, so that it, that's like the million dollar question, I think, because and I truly mean million dollar question. Because I would have said for me a couple of years ago, when I felt pretty clear headed, pretty peaceful most of the time, uh, I would have said, well, I'm going to know exactly what's right for me or not right for me. But what I discovered when I kind of dove into a bit of like this energetic coaching um, is what I discovered is like I had a lot more, how would you describe it, sort of resistance or thought that really interfered with whether I could tell if something was right for me than not. I had a lot more of it than I was aware of. And that's what I now can really see with people. I'm pretty gifted now at seeing it since I made my own transformation in that area. I can see whether someone's just really in resistance because they're uncomfortable or it's just not right for them. And one way we can start to tell that this might not be a hard and fast rule, but it might might start to help people is that if something's not right for you, it's just not right. It's not a big deal. It's like, oh yeah, that's not right for me. Move on down the road. If you wrestle in it and, and just, and we justify, well, now that's not right for me because da, 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 and you sort of start, then that's likely shadow, resistance, interfering thought, however we want to say it, right? So that's a way to start distinguishing it. That's really great because, because that word, because it follows the, oh, it's not right for me because, and then I'm already telling myself a story about why it's it's not right. It doesn't have the clarity that you're 
pointing to, which is yes. hot, cold, yes, no, right, right. And onward, we can't fake or not. that part. I mean, you know, like again, we can maybe fake it a little bit on the outside, but internally, you can't fake that piece. The ener again, energetically, we can't fake it. Yeah, because things that aren't right for us, right? Like, do you want do you want to have an ice cream right now? No. Okay, we don't sit and justify. Well, the reason I don't, <laughs> like, no, just you just don't. Not right for me right now. That's really helpful. If we were to talk about creativity in other terms, what would what words would you use? Oh gosh, that's a really good question too. To me, the word the word that popped into my mind just now that's really related to creativity is resourcefulness. Right? So I love the word resource because when we think about if we again get a bit philosophical and and step back from our conversation, when we look at the word resource, it's really there's something about that that's oh, we're making something out of what source is bringing forth, right? That's all creativity. We're like resourcing, you know? So there's something about resourcefulness, I think, around creativity that's, that's really big. Of course, a lot of people use the word manifestation. I think it's a bit of a loaded word right now, but I do like, I like the word. I do think we're manifestors. I just think a lot comes with that. Yeah. Law of um, attraction manifesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I'd love to ask you is about the relationship of resourcefulness, to use your word, and a sense of lack. Mm. Because in my experience and with the clients that I've worked with, there's an underlying sense of there's not going to be something on the other side of this. Yeah. Or that the re my resources are limited. Yeah, like I've got one shot at this. You know, I hear that a lot in business. One shot, we got one chance. And yeah, so I see, and this I think is just an ongoing understanding that keeps expanding for me. I don't see limitation at all in the universe, you know, whether it be for money or for clients or for resources, having what we need. Like, I just don't see a limitation at all from the universe. Now, as humans, do we experience limitation? Absolutely. But that's the, that's bringing the human into the human thinking, the human, you know, again, like our, our thinking is so powerful, like bringing that in, absolutely people can experience limit. But at a, at a raw level, there, I don't think that actually exists. So that's really good to know for people when they're, especially in business, because I know when I used to think about business, I would think, oh, I got one shot at this. <laughs> got one chance. I tend to think about potential clients and it's this tiny group of people. And that's just really changed for me. I don't know how exactly, except that I'm kind of interested in it. You know, I'm interested in expansion. I'm interested in limitlessness. But that's certainly changed for me a lot over the last few years is just seeing like, wow, there's no limit to what we have. And so resourcefulness, same way, like those two words are really resourcefulness, resources and lack are really on very opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet many people make their business decisions, life decisions based on a sense of lack. Absolutely. So it's really interesting the stories that we tell ourselves about what's available and what isn't. And for anyone who is exploring resources, looking at new possibilities and seeing how something can be created out of what is or what isn't yet, that seems like a really important thing to do, which is to step back, look behind the curtain and get a better sense of of what my thinking is actually leading me towards or away from. Because if Absolutely. I'm telling myself that this isn't going to work, or if I don't get it right this time, it's all over, then I'm already feeling 
talking energetically, I'm already feeling contracted and restricted. Yeah. Yeah. I experienced that many times in my coaching practice before the last couple of years, for sure, where I would in my mind get discouraged about something maybe, and then really think into that. And then, you know, and then there's a point at which your resources dry up when you when you're thinking that way and opportunities dry up when you're thinking that way. But I like for me, I've gotten pretty good at, um, and this may be helpful for, for some of the listeners is what I've gotten really good at is sort of feeling when I've started to think into lack. It's not that I never have lack thinking anymore. I've just gotten really good at that. Like, Ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. Like in fact, in my last launch, this happened at the end of August, I was in the middle of, I, I do these little classes online and they're free and, you know, inevitably there's some people in there who want to do more work, right? So that's, it's a great strategy. So I was in, I was on like maybe day five of my, my free class. I had given my pitch on Thursday on Friday. Like I didn't have any sales and I didn't, it didn't seem like anyone was interested. And I started to short period of time, but I started to think, well, is something off? Do I need to, you know, I'd started that. Do I need to change something? Is this, and then, and then it's like, nope. Like the feeling started to shrink me internally. Right. And then I was like, no, like that wrong, wrong direction on thinking. I could either not think about anything, which is always a good choice, or think about the possibilities. What I ended up thinking about was, oh, like I have no idea. How would I know what's in other people's minds? I don't know. I'm just going to keep, do I love teaching this? Oh yeah, I love teaching this. I'm going to keep teaching. And that's what I did. And then I had, like, I had a, a result that honestly I didn't even think was possible for me, but I stayed out of the gutter, <laughs> you know? And that's possible for all of us. It's just sometimes when our reality, the reality feels so real, that can be harder to do. We don't see that there's a choice because we see like, oh no, I'm responding to something on the outside of me. And that's usually not the case. We're usually mm -hmm. responding a lot to what happened in the past or you know, the stories, like you said, or our upbringing or another event, like all kinds of things that we can respond to that just aren't of the creative process. They're not new. They're not fresh. And they're not they're in not, the moment. Not in the moment. Not in the potential of, yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a gal on this interview series early on, Kathleen Fife, who's in my area, in the Saratoga Springs area. And her, she's a, a wonderful woman whose tagline self-proclaimed was, what else is possible? And I loved that because that's like the only question to ask when we come up against something that is feels like it's stopping us. It's not, why do I feel this way? Or what happened in the past that was like this? And how am I defining myself? Oh, this is happening to me again. No, that question, what else is possible? Short circuit that kind of thinking because we don't have to go there. Right. And really, to me, focuses us back on what's available. What else is available right now that I'm not seeing? Yes, that's huge. Like, that's a, such a great question. What else is possible that I'm not seeing? Like, that's, you're going into the unknown at that point, which is where the answers reside, right? It's not in, why do I feel this way? Which is our tendency. There's so much in our culture to figure out why why we're thinking a certain way or why we feel a certain way or why we're experiencing something. Oh, and it's the absolute wrong direction. 
Like we rarely can mine gold in that direction. Now, maybe not never, but rarely can we mine gold. So you just said a word that I want to poke a little bit, which is going into the unknown. Yeah. Because that to me is a big part of what it means to be creative, what it means to be an explorer in that world of limitless resources. So how do you see it? Well, you know, the unknown is an interesting territory because we're so conditioned here in this time and place to know, right? Like, like this is from early age. Do you have the right answer? Okay. If you want the right answer, read this book and memorize. Like it's, we're not conditioned to go into the unknown, but then when we really look historically at, you know, the major transformations that get made in society or in science or in the medical fields, it's always in the direction of the unknown, right? So we kind of have that hint that that's, that's the place to hang out. But it's, you know, it's funny that that word actually came out of my mouth because I don't love using it actually because it kind of freaks people out. Like in business, I don't like to talk about the unknown because business people especially don't want to talk about the unknown. There are other ways to talk about it that, you know, what have you not done before? Like what's the direction you haven't set out on yet? It's, along those lines of that, that question about what, what else is possible. But it's, you know, again, it's a bit of a loaded word. Like creativity. Like creativity. And like pick up the paintbrush. <laughs> That's what people right. think. Yeah. Right. So that's another area to disabuse people of the notion that it's a bad thing or it's, I mean, it is unpredictable, but that doesn't mean that it's lacking anything. And when you think about it, just in, in life, how many times do we really enjoy doing the same thing over and over and over again? being in the known always, day after day after day. It's right. it's suffocating. Yes. Usually when people really enjoy being in the known day after day, there's a high degree of fear that they're living with. I noticed that back in, in my old job is that we had one set of designers who worked on different projects all the time, right? And so there was always something new they were stepping into. And there was there was one client that we worked with where it, it was the same thing every day. And we knew kind of who to put on that. <laughs> And it was, and it's not, the work was valuable. It was highly valuable. It's not, it wasn't about the value. It's that, but there were some people who wanted predictability. They wanted control. They wanted no surprises. And so that would make sense, right? Because there was just a, a level of fear. How do you deal with that? I mean, how do you, how do you encourage client to go in that direction a little more? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, things I often say to people, and I'm, I'm known for sort of laying down the truth. I don't mince words with people, but when people consider starting a business, for instance, and, and you'll see someone who maybe tries to start a business, but they want everything laid out step by step. Like I'll, I'll just say to people like, this is probably not your best path. Like if you want to know what you're doing day to day, there are a lot of corporations that would love to have you. Like they want people who can churn it away. And then nothing wrong with that at all. But, but having your own business is not like it's, it requires stepping into the unknown. Just, just the very notion of it requires us stepping into the unknown, you know? And can we put some predictable things into it? Sure, we can. But again, the magic, and a lot of times the money, is in the unknown. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> point. 
So do you find that when you're working with clients that there is a lot of that kind of, that invitation to lean into not knowing what's going to happen next? Yeah, you know, I, I work a lot because of my background. Um, a lot of my clients have been in architecture and design firms owners of those firms, engineering firms. I've had a lot of professional services like CPAs and that sort of thing. It's always fascinating to me to look at the different industries and, and see, and in, in, now again, this is a generalization, this isn't the truth, but like to really see there are certain industries that sort of draw people who, who want more certainty. Like they want, you know, um, I, had, I had one CEO client that was fascinating. He was uh, the CEO of one of the most innovative, another word for creativity, engineering firms in the world. Like they were always on the cutting edge and it was fascinating. He, his desire for control was huge, right? And so it was always this dance. There was a tension like this, you know, like in, in engineering, there was this tension between like they always wanted to push the edge. And of course what they were doing, they were building bridges and big stadiums. So you had to lean on what was known, good principles, right? Because we don't want things crashing down on people like that. That's dangerous. But really playing with that with him was, was a fascinating, fascinating assignment and getting him to see where the real, where the real danger was and where the perceived danger was. Mm. There was a lot of perceived danger that lived in that, in that culture that wasn't real. That's a really good point about the perception of danger. And yeah, we're our brains. From. Yeah. And, and our brains are wired. Like this is the thing that with you, with humans right now, we really struggle with is because our, our brains, I'm not a neuroscience expert, but I, I know enough to be dangerous here, but like our brains are really wired to protect us, to like keep us in fear, keep us safe. Keep, and so we're, again, without an appreciation of that, like we can really we can make our lives very small, but when we kind of know what the brain is doing, like, oh wait, it's trying to keep out any new ideas, really. And we know that's what's going on. That can be so helpful to know, especially or really with any endeavor, but I think in particular in business, we can just be more open to the unknown, the creative ideas, the innovation that can, can really spring forth. But so we're I kind of working against our, our biology on some level. Yeah. So I think what you're introducing is that element of self-awareness that's really important, whether you're trying to get a business off the ground or measuring where you are in the development of your business. Correct. Yeah, because if we let that, you know, if we if we just go on very like not very self aware, and this is in any any area of life, it just makes our our lives smaller, like our lives shrink. Right? And that's the same for our business. But we can really kind of see on some level. Okay, I see a little bit of what's going on here. It can again, that's where we get into expansion. Lovely. I'm going to invite anyone who's listening, if they have a question or a comment, to raise their little blue digital hand. Go to Gary. Hi, Kim. Hi there. I'm really enjoying this conversation. As a matter of fact, I was hoping it would go on before the question started because it, it had such a, a nice direction it was going in. I guess I um, want to go back just a little bit, if that's all right, to what you were saying earlier about uh, learning, learning to determine, is this right for me? The feel of, is this right for me? And I'd sort of like your take on this. It seems to me that when I'm in a place where I don't really have anything on either outcome, and it, it's, it's really okay, there's no desperation and there's no particular desire. So I'm not being pulled in either of those directions. 
I'm just sort of in the middle somewhere. That seems to be kind of a test for me about the, the soundness of what I think I'm seeing. What, what can you say about that? Yeah, I would say, Gary, if that, if that sort of litmus test, if you will, tends to, to take you in, an, in a direction of expansion, that's probably a really, a really uh, great test for you. Now, I will say this. I've seen this. Okay, so I'm not, I don't think it's necessarily what you're talking about in your experience, but I have also seen, especially in some spiritual communities, uh, which I have a deep background in, that people can really <coughs> internally talk themselves out of wanting something that they really want. And then that plays in, it's conditioning, right? And so then their litmus test wouldn't actually be accurate because they sort of have been gotten used to just like, oh, it's just fine either way. When yeah. really there's a deep passion, mm -hmm. right? And so, so I just, throw that little bit in. I don't sense that that's what you're, you're talking about. When, in your no, because I would, I would, I would put denial in with uh, you know, desire and, and uh, desperation or avoidance. It's the same, it's the same signal in a way, or yeah. it sets off the same alarm. It's a different, it's a different stimulus for that alarm, but it sets off the same alarm of no, no, wait a minute. That's not right. There's, it doesn't have that it doesn't have that calm feel to it. It has a self-negating feel or something like that. Yeah. I yeah, so that's... Me, I, because I, I know people like that and I have a client like that who's been um, kind of, in a strange way, brainwashed a little bit into the sort of self-negation stuff because it, it seemed to it seemed to fit in with the circumstances of his life. I mean, he could make a case for that. And it seemed like, oh yeah, that's that's the way things must be because that's the way my life has gone. Um, it's funny because he's seeing through that now. And and it's it's, it's lovely to, to see that become less real for him. But I really take your point that, oh, it'll be okay either way stuff is, that's a lot of hooey. Yeah. yeah, and I used to really like, that was probably my biggest hurdle to overcome being honest now I, I've kind of always gone for what I want to go for you know I, I did that in my corporate days and then there there was certainly I've, I've been coaching now for almost 10 years so there was a period of time where I did that in coaching but then there was a point where I had a few failures and I also was sort of studying certain spiritual texts and I got really good at oh this is all oh it all just works out the way it's supposed to and and I would really um, mute myself and my desires. So like I have a lot of experience with that. So um, I can really feel for your client. But then eventually I had, you know, I had a coach that called BS on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful. Convenient. It was yeah. some of the hardest coaching I've ever had in my life. I would, I would not want to do it again, but uh, it was transformational. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had somebody say to me the other day, the more compelling the story, the more full of shit I know I am. <laughs> I really loved that because I thought, yeah, that's, that kind of says it you know. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for asking. Thanks, Gary. Let's go to Martin. Hello, Martin. Hi, Nina. Hi, Kim. Those questions you were firing off today were <laughs> pretty unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Kim can handle it, so... <laughs> yeah, she did a great job. I was just really appreciating the questions you were throwing out. <laughs> so, good. so I have, I have two questions that are kind of separate from each other. Uh, maybe they're separate from each other. But you said that you don't really like the word unknown. And when using that in business, I, I was just kind of curious, do you have a different word or phrase? Or, or how do you kind of get into that with uh, in the business setting? Or you said they get a little afraid of that? 
Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's that, that word, it, it's a little scary anyway. And then it sounds a little bit out there kind of woo woo or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, there are different ways we can phrase that. You know, if I'm, if I'm asking someone to orient themselves toward the unknown, it's like uh, a lot of times I'll ask the question, what, you know, something around like, what have you not tried yet? What hasn't yet occurred to you? There are all kinds of ways mm -hmm. you can sort of get them there that that aren't quite as scary. Now, it's, this is not the unknown, but it's, again, in the uh, vein of asking, asking questions that sort of mine the gold. What have you known to do, but you haven't yet done? You know, like that's a big one for business people because most people have a deep knowing that came to them at, from the unknown at a certain point and then too scary, too risky, too, you know. Yeah. Wow. That's it. I like that a lot. That sounds like it, it would work for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so my second question had to do with resourcefulness. So you said that that was another word for creativity. And I was wondering, can you create more resourcefulness. Yeah. You know, in my mind, you can, you can, we can, we can expand our capacity for resources, I think. And actually that's a little bit of a, that's not actually the right wording. Truth is we have infinite resources available all the time. So our capacity in reality is always there, but, but our experience is not, we don't always experience infinite resourcefulness. So we can, I guess a better, more precise way to say it is we can, we can increase our experience of infinite resourcefulness. Oh, that, that's a mouthful. I like it. Can you <laughs> say that just, five it, times fast? No. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it one more time, actually. What did I say? No, but it's, it's this thing of like dropping, and I point here, like dropping the stuff that we say constantly, you know, like that's all the stuff that kind of, again, really gets in the way of that infinite resourcefulness, that infinite creativity. It's just dropping that or, you know, seeing through it or you, lots of different ways we could say that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you somehow tied those two questions together pretty nicely because you're kind of letting go of the, yeah. the known almost. And yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an example about this. I think this is kind of fascinating. So my, um, my fiance, he's a chef and he's really been working on doing his own thing. He's had his own thing a few times in his long career. He's been a chef for about almost 40 years, actually. He's worked best when he's on his own and he hasn't done that in a while. And so we literally, we could not figure out here how we were going to do this. Like, how are we going to create this restaurant or shop or whatever he wants? But we knew not to look towards that. Like trying to figure it out isn't going to work. So we followed a few breadcrumbs, like a person's name would pop into my head or a person's name would pop into his head and we would, you want to meet. And, and what's happened, it's fascinating over the last few months is we go to these meetings, these incredibly talented developers, they develop projects for people. And again, we just kind of happen to know the right people. The first meeting was fascinating to me because I, I came from like an upper middle class family, but we weren't like a wealthy family. So we didn't have like loads of funds or no, we didn't know how to get lots of funding that wasn't in my, you know, my dad worked for a corporation. Okay. So we go to this meeting and the people wanted to talk about in general terms, uh, buying this big restaurant entity here in Texas that was struggling and having my fiance take over the culinary operations piece of it. It's a big corporation. And, and the people we were talking to said, well, we can raise the 200 million next week. What I need to know is can you 
Like, do you know what you need in terms of people to make this thing run? That was the question on the table. So we talked about that. Well, we walked out of the meeting and we were like, oh, <laughs> for some people, raising $200 million in capital was like, oh, we just snap our fingers. This other stuff that you do, that's really, and it, it like, it expanded our mind, right? In terms of resources and resourcefulness. Like we, and every meeting we go to now with these people, we come out and go like, there we go again. There's always something that what we've learned to do, or what we, maybe we, what we've done intuitively is we just walk in with no idea about what's going to happen. No, um, we're truly in the unknown. Like we're not holding on to any one idea. We're not going like, okay, we really have to make this. None of that is present. These ideas keep expanding and, and it's, it's really, but that like, that was again, like that's resourcefulness, right? Like there's this resource of money that I would have thought personally, like not having ever been involved in, you know, hundred million dollar deals, I would have thought, well, that would take some time, you know? And that just was, that was my limiting idea. <laughs> no, I yeah. just find it fascinating. Definitely. That was a great example. I appreciate you, you sharing that. And I, I yeah. feel like I've been trying to do that, like the unknown area and operate from that. But at the same time, I keep saying like, Oh, I, I can't do this. Or like, I, I need to take this course before I go that way. Or like, I need to learn more about how to start the business. And, and I feel like I just got to let some of that stuff go. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks, Martin. Okay. So I'm going to throw you some puzzle pieces and let you put them together in light okay. of the discussion about creativity, figuring it out, strategizing, inspiration, and failure. Mm, okay. So figuring it out. Or is needing one of, to figure it out. Yeah. One of, that's one. When, when I hear figuring it out, or if I hear that in my own head, or if I hear one of my clients saying like, I know we're getting smaller, right? Because figuring it out to me means with the puzzle pieces that I've identified in the known, how can I jam these together, right? So like figuring it out to me, like I know when I say that in my head, I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm trying to go to what I already know, open back up, right? So, and failure too, I'll, I'll just, we'll clear the decks on the ones I don't like. How about that? <laughs> Um, you know, I just don't, I used to th see things certainly as success or failure. Like I had myself very identified with success and I would do anything not to fail, including burn myself out multiple times in corporate. Like I, I landed in the hospital two years in a row on Christmas Eve. Okay. So like I, this is how like failure looked really real to me. But like what I really see now is just, we, it's, I think there's a quote by Thomas Edison around like, oh, we just figure out a thousand ways not to do it. Right. I feel like there's that's, and that's so valuable. Like I think about some of the courses I've taken to Martin's point over the years. And when I really look at everything I've invested in, and it has been a lot mostly what I was learning is what not to do. Right. And then you could look at that as a failure as like, whoa, I, you know, threw a lot of money down the hole, but it, but I just don't see things as failure anymore. I see like, okay, we, we get an inspiration, we go for it. We take the step, we follow the breadcrumb. Um, it may not go the way we want. There can be things that people take really hard. Me too. I don't like to have something that other people, even if I don't think it's a failure, I don't like to have things that pe other people might see as failure either. But I don't, I think, again, when we're really working with a creative process in this life where we're, you know, I think you're talking to people who, who want to give their passions, they want to have an impact on people in some way, right? An impact on the planet, an impact on individuals or group. We don't, there's no room to define things between success and failure. Like it's just, learn what we can, take what we get out of it and, and keep moving forward. 
go back to the unknown. So we really can work in inspiration and in creativity and in the infinite potential. Um, the it, It's interesting. Like I, I think about the, one of the things that I use in my business, it's completely strategy where I used to not work with strategy at all, but it's all strategy. And it's this 10 step marketing and sales system that I teach people. Well, people will, and it's, and I see it as a cycle completely mar- like it's a closed loop. I see it so clearly, but where it came to me, like I didn't always teach that. So these parts and pieces that I learned over the years and learned back in corporate, but, but one day I just sort of was asking myself a question. Like I saw a vision for my business. I saw like how I could transition to helping entrepreneurs. I saw like the need for it. And I was like, but how do I do that? Like that was my question sort of to myself. And then all of a sudden I saw in air this cycle this 10 step cycle. And I quick, and I was like, Whoa, where'd that come from? Like it was complete inspiration. It wasn't something I sat and figured now, what do you do now? It's like, I just saw it. And so when we step into the unknown, when we, when we kind of like, like at that point with my business, I didn't care success, failure. Like I just wanted to, I just want to work. I just want to do my work. I want to give my gifts. I want to impact people. Right. And so then I got that gift of inspiration and it's, it's like the backbone of what I'm working with people on strategically. It's not the only thing I, I don't only do strategy, but strategically, that's the piece. And it was com- a complete inspiration. And I had to make sure I jotted it down and like, okay, got it. <laughs> so that's, that's cool that we have that capacity as humans. And I think that's the thing. And I, I love that story. I, I think that that's the thing, that capacity for seeing things differently, seeing something completely new is often downplayed because it doesn't appear to be reliable mm, or right. consistent. Like I need it now. And if it's not right. there, it's like, oh, that doesn't really work. I better go back to the formulas. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember I used to think about that kind of insight or inspiration or kind of knowing. And I would think about it in like, oh, I get, I get one of those about every two or three years, whether I need it or not. <laughs> Like that's how, that was my relationship to it. And now I just know like, oh yeah, like what I need will come to me. If I ask the question, like it is going to come. Like I don't have any doubt. I sleep on it. I, whatever, like that's when our minds are unencumbered, that's what happens. It's the natural process, isn't it? And that's exactly what so many people say, whether they're from scientific backgrounds or educational backgrounds or business backgrounds, is that once you take your mind off trying to figure something out. It makes space for the answer to come. Yes. So what was it? Einstein used to take naps, <laughs> you know, or yeah, play the yeah. violin and other right. people take showers. And- right. I mean, the thing that's, that I think is often underappreciated is even something as like foundational as numbers. Like we take that for granted. Like that's a thing we learn and know that came to someone at some point as an inspiration or as a knowing, right? Like it, it didn't, like that's fascinating to me. So like all these things that we learn and, and read and commit to memory, those all came to someone raw at some point. And so the capacity for that to happen, like there's so much more to learn. Like that's exciting to me. And that enthusiasm for what's next, I think really needs to be the driving force 
for whatever it is we're creating, whether it's a business or anything else, you know, redoing our home or painting or writing, whatever, creating a podcast, whatever it's going to be, is that the what's next rather than, oh, I can't do that or, oh, I can't do that. What else? What else is possible? Yeah, I love that. I love that question. What else? I don't know where the hour went. That went went fast. (laughs) Super fast. Any last thoughts about creativity and business? And Mm. where can people find you? Mm. What's your website? Um, What are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah. Yeah. So my website is um, life-leap.com. But the easiest place, the, the place I hang out with, uh, hang out in most right now is, is in my Facebook group called the Energetics of Money and Sales. And that's just a fun place that if, if you kind of like what you heard and, and need to know a little bit about, more about marketing and sales, join my group. It's, uh, I go live in there at least once a week and really I'm loving teaching that. But I think like, I think of the last thing I want to say about creativity and business is, is there's, I know for me, I mean, I mentioned that insight that I had about a marketing and sales system and, and that that's now the foundation I teach. And I am totally open to, to having another insight that's even better than that one. And, and keeping on learning myself and teaching it. Like it's sort of like I have this willingness. I think this, this could be really helpful for people to start over. Like in design, we used to use, you know, what we call butter paper and we'd sketch and then you'd, you'd go like, no, that's not quite right. And you'd tear it up and you'd wad it in a ball and put it in the, And like, we can do that in business too. You know, no, we don't have to, like, it's not, you don't have to, but like that's available to us as well so that the next creative idea can come. There's, there's always more. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's really been a delight. Oh, thank you so much. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation being here with you guys. Great. <laughs> well, thank you and thank everyone who is joining us and we shall see you on the next episode.